So the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about prayer, some different biblical pieces of the prayer story and how that affects our lives. First session, the Lord's Prayer, kind of gave us some parameters, perhaps, for prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. Talk to you guys maybe about slowing down in our prayer lives, taking a pause, trying to see where God's heart is, trying to see what God's saying. Talked about blessings, Proverbs 18, 21, that the power of life and death are in the tongue. We also talked in that session about when we we bless somebody or read a biblical blessing over them. We're agreeing with what God has already established and what God has already said. We talked about doxologies. And we also talked last week about quieting down our hearts and just listening. How was that for everyone who had tried that? I heard from a few of you that that's difficult. And it is. But it's always that second piece of our conversation with God that is a little bit more challenging. We're good at doing all the talking. We're kind of bad at listening sometimes, though. I think it's because it takes us out of the driver's seat. And if we're driving the prayer, we're driving the communication with God, we're in charge. That's pretty good for us. Taking ourselves out of the driver's seat is an important thing to do. Giving that control back to God, slowing down, letting him speak. We're going to talk today about the outcomes of prayer. Prayer and the outcomes. We're going to talk about two of them. Probably the most um, visual, the most easy to understand. Now, week to week, we generally know the type of mood people will be in in church based on the weather. So last week, um, like, you guys were in it to win it, right? Like, you showed up for church, like, you did your stretches before worship or something. Like, not that you weren't good today, because there's no measure of that. However, attitudes and um, just all of these things, they're, they're, they're really affected by outward things like the weather. And then when it's maybe a little bit more drizzly, you, you come to church and you're just so contemplative, like you just stared out the window listening to REM all morning or something. <laughs> it's just like, oh God, you're just so good. Whereas the week before, it's like, God, you are so good. But it's the weather. The weather's going to get you. Every time, it's these outward influences, these outward expressions that drastically affect so much of our lives. And I'm going to talk about inward and outward this morning as far as outcomes of prayer. So, we talked about planting the garden of prayer. 
And there's fruit that comes with that, inward and outward. We are trained in society to look for results, right? Like if you, if you follow sports in any way, shape, or form, like hockey or football or whatever, but probably baseball. Nobody cares if you came in second. Like, remember back in the 90s, the no fear shirts? Second place is the first loser. Get them at the sand store. If anyone remembers that as well. But nobody cares about who came in second. Like, you didn't win. It's, you, you, you are the loser. And this, this is the type of thing that we perpetuate in our lives because it makes sense. Think about even um, if you invest. You don't pick your investments based on who has the nicest logo or your brand loyalties. You talk to somebody educated who knows how to invest your money properly, and you invest where you're going to get the best return on investment. It doesn't matter your brand loyalties. None of that matters on return of investment. Even in Christianity, we tend to celebrate what we see as real results. A revival on Instagram is always going to trump a room full of people who are becoming more like Jesus every day because it looks better. There's an outward display. There's an outward thing that we can measure that we, we look we're like, wow, something really happened. I would argue that those types of things are not the only fruit of prayer. Even though that's kind of what we've been preconditioned to understand. Because you need a return on investment and you need statistics. How many salvations were there? How many baptisms were there? Did anybody speak in tongues? These are, these are our measurables. But there's got to be more. There's got to be something deeper. So let's think about Jesus. Let's think about his life in the, the scripture that TJ read for us this morning. Jesus focused on getting alone in the midst of all the stuff that was happening. He was doing great and powerful things, and then he left and went off by himself. And throughout his ministry career, he kept doing this. He would just sneak off by himself. He would sneak off. He would be alone. So, why? Well, we have the, the answer, and that's to pray. But he was God. Well, why did he need to, to abandon what looked like really good ministry? He could have just kept going and going and going. But he chose to abandon that, to set time aside, to walk off to the side. So if visible fruit of prayer is something you can measure, there has to be another piece of prayer 
on the inside that maybe is a little less measurable. And I would say that looking more like Jesus by planting a garden in our hearts is substantially more important than the outward results we look for. For many Christians, we cultivate our, our Christian soil in our, in our heart's garden on Sunday. Sunday is where we water, we weed, we do all of the things. It's our weekend. We don't have work, we don't have activities, we don't have to drive the kids around to different places as much, because unless you do, then have less activities, I suppose. But when you get to the weekend, you're supposed to slow down. And so we, we come to church on Sunday, and then this is the time where we do the watering, the weeding, and the gardening. When really, the garden in our hearts, it needs attention on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. The way to see actual results and become more like Jesus is to water every single day. Who is excited that summer is coming? You will have to water your garden. You will have to water your lawn unless you just let it die. But summer is coming. Oh, hey, I had a conversation this morning. Let's slip this in here really quickly. Week two of family camp at Manhattan Beach. Where's Aaron? Where's Aaron hiding? Up there. So... Aaron's fantastic. So he's the director at our camp and the single best camp in Canada, in my opinion. I've been to a lot of them. Some of them are terrible. Some of them are awesome. Manhattan Beach is the best. Week two of family camp, CT sends a team to do uh, worship. So you need to book week two at family camp. If you at all are planning on going to family camp, Week two, Manhattan Beach, do it soon because they fill up. But we're also, so Sean White had this idea that we're going to do the CT Classic. Are you ready for this? So week two of family camp, I'm going to make it an official statement so that it has to happen. Week two of family camp, we're going to do the CT Classic. The CT Classic has a purpose. We are going to raise funds to fix the mini golf course at Manhattan Beach through a mini golf course tournament called the CT Classic. I'm saying it enough times that it gets in your brain. So if you're good with concrete, you're good with wood, you're good at putting down green carpet, we're going to need your help. If you just have such a passion for mini golf, we, we're going to need your help too. Maybe you can make hot dogs for the workers or something. But this is going to be amazing. Week two, write it in your calendars. Tell your friends. Do whatever you have to do. It's going to be the best time you will ever have in your entire life. Ever. <laughs> Period. But summer's coming. Okay, that's good. We got that in. Summer's coming. So here's the thing. Um... A lot of times during the summer, we go out to camp and we have a site and we have a trailer and it's beautiful and you get to stare at the water in the mornings. Um, but I come back and forth for work. 
And I had a job last year. And my job was to make sure everything stayed watered while I came back and forth. I thought I did okay. I'm not going to say I did perfect, because I did not. But I thought I did okay. Um, the, uh, the habaneros, it was an excellent crop of habaneros. Um, some of the other things kind of failed hard. Uh, and I got most of the flowers. I got most of the flowers, except for the one that I didn't see. Um, because it was hiding behind an uh, elephant in our backyard. Not a real elephant, of course, but it was a small little elephant statue. And this was hiding behind there to me. Apparently, it was in plain sight. <laughs> and it was important because it came from um, mother-in-law's garden. And I killed it. I killed it dead um, because I didn't see it. And everything else got watered-ish, especially the things that I planted. They got watered the most. Lots of habaneros. Worked well. But I learned quickly that if you do not pay attention, you do not water every single day. You do not go out of your way to make sure that you're spending time on the right things throughout the week, not just on Sundays. There's elements that die off. There's elements that become a routine. There is elements that become less important than others. In our prayer lives, we need to be watering that garden in our hearts every single day day. You might not have time to sit down and dedicate an hour to constant prayer, because most people don't. But get in the habit of remembering to pray more often than not. Not for long times, just, God, thanks for this beautiful day. I can't believe it's sunny again, and I just thank you for that. It can be as simple as that sometimes. Or if someone comes to your mind, God, would you just bless them? Would you just flood their house with healing? And then move on. It doesn't need to be these big dramatic prayer statements. You can just pray. You can just keep it simple. The point is that we are constantly watering the ground in our hearts. Because it needs attention. The, there's a verse in Rome. I can't remember what I did and did not give you. Romans 8, there we go. Let's read this. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of of righteousness. The, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, as most translations say, it flows out from in you. So, if this is an interchangeable, as we read through Scripture, the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, if you're a King James, or the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus, then we do have a measurement 
for this inward garden. We do have a, a scriptural measurement that we find in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's your measurement of the garden in your heart. What is the Spirit of God doing inside your heart? Because this is where we begin to resemble Jesus more and more and more and more. Do we love like Jesus? Is there a joy that comes up inside of us? Do we have peace? Forbearance, patience, or tolerance? Are you patient? Are you kind? That's an easy one. Are we kind? Are we kind to the people around us? Goodness, faithfulness. If you say you're going to do something, do you do it? Gentleness, self-control. When we see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and sometimes we, we're in a situation where all of a sudden we're like, wow, that was an interesting response I just had. Because there was so much kindness in that, or there was so much love in that, or there was so much patience in that. That's the Spirit of God actively coming out of you. And these are the times where we sense that He is perfecting us. We sense that something is happening inside of us. The only way to grow this fruit, though, is through proximity. It's through proximity. And over time, you will start to notice that you don't even try anymore because you just naturally resemble Jesus. When you get married and you spend time with someone, even if you were completely different people before, you start to act like one another. Sometimes you even start to dress like one another. You have shared memories. You have shared jokes. We, in our house, more and more every year, will notice that if I get up early in the morning and I'm here at the office for 8.30 for church, getting ready, and then, and then Amberly comes and we'll stand in front of each other and be like, huh, we should have planned this out yesterday because we're wearing the exact same outfit. And this has happened far too often that we have to start asking in the mornings, hey, what are you wearing to church? And sometimes the night before on those awkward times is helpful. But when you spend time with someone, you begin to look like them. You begin to act like them. This is prayer. You spend time in prayer you spend time listening for the response. You begin to resemble Jesus to the world around you. Would you put up that verse from 2 Corinthians? But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is spirit. 
And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is spirit. Slowly and increasing glory turned into his image. Isn't that beautiful? The longer we spend with Jesus, the more we cultivate this garden in our hearts, we begin to, to display his love, his patience, his peace, his kindness to the world around us. So let's go back to these two, these two um, outcomes of prayer. We have the outward, which is good, but we have the inward. And the inward is so incredibly important. I would say that without the inward garden growing, you're not going to see a ton of outward results. It's our proximity to the Father as we become more like His Son, more like the example we were given. Jesus is our example in life. He displayed the fruit of the Spirit. And from that internal place, we become like him. Let's look at this verse one more time in the book of Mark. Oh, it's on the screen. Let's stop looking for it, shall we? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him and they found him and they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. What was he doing? He was working on his inward garden. He was working on the garden of his heart because the garden of the heart needed to go somewhere before let us go somewhere else nearby in the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. If we don't tend the garden of our hearts, that proximity isn't there. Your homework this week is very simple. Work on the garden of your heart every single day. Even it's as simple as, good morning, Holy Spirit. Thanks for this beautiful day, Lord. What do you have for me? Even if it's as simple as that, or a thank you, Jesus, if something good happens, or maybe you have time for something longer. Great. But every day, let's work on the garden of our heart. I found a prayer that I'd like to pray with you. And maybe I thought we could pray it together. Dear Father, grower of spiritual fruit, let the fruit of the Spirit blossom, mature, and ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. Let me possess them. Since I belong to Christ, I have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
Let me live by the Spirit. Let me walk by the Spirit. Let me show no self-conceit. Give no provocation. Have no envy toward anyone else. Let me live in, through, and for Jesus Christ as he lives in, through, and for me and his whole church. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to perfect us, whatever that may take, and give us the grace to endure your renovation process.